0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: Right, anything, if it's believing in what Jesus did, plus anything, that's a false gospel. And a false gospel won't save you. A false gospel will leave you lost. What we'll see as we come to the end of this is Paul is saying, look, it's it's the people that have taught you this are going to give an account one day for having taught it. But the people that have believed it um that have received it from men and not not gone to God they're also going to bear a responsibility. And so it's very important for us that we, you know, read the word for ourselves.
0: Be aware of false teaching. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, he explains to you about the dangers of false teaching. The Bible says that in the end times, false teaching will be more prevalent. So what actually is false teaching? Pastor Bill teaches you that false teaching is anything that adds to or subtracts from the gospel message. The only person that can save you from your sins is Jesus. No amount of your own personal effort can earn you right standing before the Lord. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 5 as he begins his message, Standing in Liberty.
1: For you guys that have been going through the book of Galatians with us, um, Paul you know, went to this area, region of Galatia, led people to Christ, shared the true gospel um, that by believing in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, a person could be saved. Um, that's great news for any sinner uh, the, to know that that one as a sinner, God loves you and that he made a provision for you, that he sent his only son, his only begotten son left heaven, came to earth, died in your place, took the penalty of your sin upon him and you. By believing in his finished work, believing in what he did for you, that he died on the cross and rose from the grave, can be forgiven, accepted to God, have the hope of eternal life. That is the gospel Paul preached. That is the gospel that the Galatians believed and were walking in. When Paul left, false teachers came in with another gospel and they said, well, you know, almost you got it almost right. You guys got to add one thing to, you know, believing in Jesus. Everybody know that one thing they had to add to it was circumcision. So um, for Jews, that was a big deal. I think Jewish people were having a hard time feeling like these guys are getting off easy. You know, we all had to do it. They should have to do it. That's what legalism will do to you. You want everybody to suffer like you suffered. And so they came in with their doctrine and they actually said they got it from Paul. Um, Paul had to come back down. And he wrote this letter to correct what was going on, and so it's getting ready to get very practical. The next two weeks, we'll be looking at the war within that war between the flesh and the spirit. We're gonna look at the works of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit. But today, it's like Paul's final closing argument on this whole issue of legalism and us being saved by faith. So, look at chapter one. I'm sorry, look at chapter five, verse one. Paul says, and it's a command, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. And so Paul tells them, Look, I want you to stand, therefore. Therefore always points backwards. So I just spoke to you guys about how you're free in Christ and God has saved you and says, I want you to stand, therefore, in the liberty that God has given you. He says, so I want you to stand in it. It's one thing to have the liberty, but he says, You're going to have the battle. You got to stand in that liberty. And so anybody that's raised their kids and there's maybe certain things that you've been in your kids. Um, Maybe you taught them certain things, certain attitudes or whatever. It becomes really important that when they're out of your presence, that they stand in those truths. And so you might pour it in, you might share it with them. But what you want is when they get to school or when they get into uh, an environment that's not favorable, that they would stand in. And so Paul says, look, as soon as I left, you guys waffled to another opinion. So now he tells them, I want you to stand, therefore, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty which uh, by which Christ has made us free. Um, I pointed out, I would point out to us that who is it that makes us free? Based on this, Christ does, right? Nobody here made themselves free. Nobody here lived holy enough, lived good enough. Uh, Christ is the one that has made us free. And um, then he says, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. He says, don't, don't go and get wrapped back up and tangled back up in a yoke of bondage. Now, I know for us, I don't think anybody in this room is stumbling with, you know, going back to Jewish religion. You know, that might not be what you're stru- were struggling with, going back and being entangled. And that's where they have come from. But wherever you came from is where you're going to struggle, uh, of going back and being entangled. Some of us come from backgrounds of addiction. Some of us come from backgrounds of sexual immorality. Some of us come from backgrounds of just lying and being immoral people. And so... That's where you're going to struggle. Paul would say to you, God would say to you through him, hey, make sure you're not going back and entangling yourself in the things that God has made you free of. The things that God has set you free from. Paul told Timothy in his letter to Timothy, he says a good soldier does not go and entangle himself back in the affairs of this life that he may present. that He may be a good soldier to the one that enlisted him. That is a a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I don't get wrapped back up in the junk in this world the things that have me bound and so I would encourage or challenge us to consider where we came from. These people came out of Jewish religion um, I doubt many of you came out of that background but wherever you came from um, let me ask this how many of you guys since you've been saved have ever wondered back where you came from sinfully Wonder back alright all the hands go up all the sinners are my hands up too you know that's a, that becomes a temptation I realize that I'm not tempted with Certain things. I never did drugs, so when I walk by, I I I, I, don't know. I'll be here at the church all day. That parking lot behind us is the that is the weed spot of the city. I hope I'm not stumbling you ex weed smokers. I better not see y'all down there. But I mean, I stand in the parking lot, and it's just all day. It's just blowing on up here. Now that doesn't stumble me. I was the weed man, but I didn't smoke weed. But for some of you, that might be an issue. You know, Um, my issue when I first got saved was alcohol was one of my issues. And there was a a stretch I couldn't even go buy gum at the liquor store. I roll up to a liquor store, and I remember driving up to a liquor store. I was just gonna get snacks, and and I remember my heart beat like I I could. It was a physiological like my body was saying, just get one, just do one. I had to like, man, I gotta go get gum somewhere safe, you know, (laughs) or whatever. And thank God it's not like that now. But there was a period of time, and so make sure that we're not being entangled again, wrapped back up in. Those things that Christ has set us free from, Amen. Christ is the one that's made us free. We didn't free ourselves. And I, I, I want to give this distinction between the law and the liberty that's in Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit. And I I, I saw some quotes that I really liked. So I'm going to read them to us. This is the first one. It says, "The law commands, but it does not enable. Grace provides what the law demands, then enables a man to live by it uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit." Then rewards him for doing it. And so the distinction is the law will command you, demand of you something you can't even perform. And when you're demanded to do something you can't perform, you feel frustrated and you just feel like, man, I'm 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 not doing good enough. And that's what the law does. It just makes you feel beat up. But what grace does, grace calls you to do something, enables you to do it by the Holy Spirit, then rewards you for doing it. That's what grace does. Like God, God's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you new desires. I'm mean, give you the, the ability to do those things that you couldn't do in your flesh. And then when you're doing them, I'm going to reward you for living that way. That's what God's extending to us in grace. Uh, this person, C.H. McIntosh says, The law demands strength from one who has none and curses him if he cannot display it. The gospel gives strength to one who has none and blesses him for the exhibition of it. And so um, there's a vast difference between grace, the gospel of grace, and then the law. And hopefully we... We're growing in that the the realization that we're not under the law. We're not. Hopefully we're not living under legalism. And hopefully you guys aren't living Christian lives that are legalistic towards others, because um, I I find that people that are under legalism put other people under legalism. Um, And so we want to be careful to enjoy the freedom that's ours in Christ. And we'll talk more about that as we go. Verse two says, indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. He said, look, if you guys, and it's not anybody here to circumcise, I want you to hear this wrong. He says, if you get circumcised, believing that that's going to save you, then Christ can't profit you anything. And I would add in our culture, uh, there are things that people have added to the gospel in our culture that are not really circumcision, but people will say, you got to believe in Jesus and be baptized. If you get baptized, believing that baptism will save you, then Christ will profit you nothing. If there's something that you feel like you have to add to what Jesus did, you can't be saved because there's nothing you can do to save yourself. And so what we want to come to the places where we believe fully that what Jesus did on the cross is enough. Amen. Amen. And I want you to know it's kind of a slap. It is a slap in the face to Jesus to say, God, I know what you went through on the cross. I know they beat you. They humiliated you. They stripped you. um, They pierced you and they hung you. And that's almost enough to save me. But I got to do this one thing in addition. That that plus this, it'll be enough. That's what we say when we add anything to the cross. That he died and rose again is enough. And that's to me, that's liberating because who did all the work? He did. I'm just a recipient of a great gift. That's the way God wants it to be. God doesn't want me or you add anything to the mix. And so he says, look, if you guys get circumcised and believing that that's going to help you get saved, Christ can't profit you anything. Um, other words, you're, you're going to be lost. And so I would say this, right? So what about the person that's in, you know, at a church, they believe that you got to believe and be baptized and speak in tongues. Are they saved? According to this? No, it's hard. I know it's hard to say. It's like, man, I don't want to judge. They're not saved. That's another gospel. Right. Anything. If it's believing in what Jesus did, plus anything, that's a false gospel. And a false gospel won't save you. A false gospel will leave you lost. What we'll see as we come to the end of this is Paul is saying, look, it's, it's the people that have taught you this are going to give an account one day for having taught it. But the people that have believed it, um, that have received it from man and not not gone to God, they're also going to bear a responsibility. And so it's very important for us that we you know read the word for ourselves, uh, that we study for ourselves, that we, we spend time with the Lord, that we not be mixed up like this. And so moving on, verse three, it says, and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. And so the Bible teaches that if, you, if you're if you seeking to be you know made righteous by keeping the law, you can't keep one part. You got to keep the whole law. And so I had this debate with one of my Seventh-day Adventist friends because they're, very, they're big on the Sabbath law. You got to keep the Sabbath. Um, but I'm like, what about all the other laws? You can't just keep one law. It's 600-something laws. You got to keep all them laws. And there's no way you've kept all them laws. One guy I know is actually a, a Seventh-day Adventist minister. We went to high school together. And We played football together, so I know him. I'm like, bro, you 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 can't be if, if you if you're got if you have to be saved based on keeping the law, I can throw up some stuff. And I'm like, nah, that, you ain't saved, but you can't make it. You ain't gonna make it like that, you know. Um, and they believe that that one piece. Um, there's a there's a moderate seven day Adventist, and there's extreme seven day Adventist. The extreme seven day Adventists believe that you and I are going to hell for being here on Sunday, um, and not honoring the actual you know Sabbath day or whatever, and so. Again, they believe that honoring that part of the law, that's how they're going to get in. They believe all the right stuff. And we're doing this part. Um, what I'm saying to you is as believers, if you believe in Jesus, right, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive him as Lord and Savior and you worship on Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, it's irrelevant. Like you're getting saved because of what you believe, the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, when we worship, that becomes a matter of liberty. We decide that. What about the person that has to work on a Sunday? You know, like how, how horrible would it be for that person that their job requires that they work on Sunday or or Saturday? If they're a Seventh-day Adventist, they can't have to work on Saturday. Um, then then they can't be saved. Like your job, you have to quit your job in order to please God. I mean, how I, I know people on the East Coast, uh, a friend's church out there, they do a Saturday night service. That's the same as Sunday morning services. And they do it because some people work Sunday mornings or Sundays or whatever. So they do it Saturday night. And they're providing it. And I'm thinking, you know, for the for the seven day of of the person that feels like I got to go on this particular day. um, If there's no alternate, they're just, man, you're stuck. You got to You got to honor God on that day. And so we just want to be careful about those things. And I I guess Paul is like hammered this point home so far that it's 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 just what Christ has done for us. Um, Again, if you try to keep one part, you got to keep the whole law. Verse four, you have become estranged from Christ. And I'm sorry, you who attempt to be justified by the law and you have fallen from grace. And so he's saying those that are attempting to be justified by doing something that he basically saying you're not saved. You're estranged from Christ. And he says, and you have fallen from grace. Some people look at this verse and they think it means that you can lose your salvation. I don't believe that that's what it means. Uh, I don't believe a person that's genuinely born again can lose their salvation. I'm going to give you some verses that I'd like you to write down just so you have that locked up. Um, This is speaking of the person thats I'm trying to get right with God by 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 doing some stuff, keeping some laws, keeping some rules. God said that person can't be saved. That person is estranged from Christ and they've fallen from grace. And so um, I, I believe one of the things that the enemy tricks people up on is is causing people to doubt their salvation. Has anybody here ever messed up in your walk with the Lord and doubted? Like, man, am I even saved because I did that? Right? I've thought thoughts, and I'm like, man, could you think that? If you could, I even be saved and think a thought like that, you know? And I believe one of the enemy's tricks is if Satan can get you to doubt whether or not you are saved, it's un, it's not likely you're going to live like you're saved, right? You won't live. You won't witness. You won't share. You won't. Live, you you you're wondering where you stand with God. That's why in the armor of God, he said, put on the helmet of what. Helmet of salvation, because Satan's attacking that mind nonstop, and so I want to just give us some things that explain how this works. When you get saved, when you give your life to Christ, who moves inside you? Holy Spirit lives you. He, he resides inside you. He takes up residence in you. Can you kick him out? Ooh, I got, I got, I got wheels spinning. Can you can you kick him out? Can you kick the Holy Ghost out? When he moves in, can you say, hey, I, I'm uncomfortable with this arrangement. I want you out. No, you can't kick him out, y'all. When he moves in, he moves in. God says, That's my down payment. Right? That's my down payment that you're mine. Right? Now, what you can do, you can quench the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can uh, resist the Holy Spirit, but you cannot kick him out. What does that mean for the believer? That means that the moment you get saved, God lives inside you. And now there's going to be a war if you decide you want to go do some weird stuff. If you decide, you know, I, I I'm bored. It's Friday night. I haven't been to the club in the long. I'm going out tonight. You gonna to battle? You gonna have an internal battle going on because there's God on the inside is like I don't want to be here. I don't want. To, I don't want to hear that. I don't want it. And your flesh is like, but I still want to go. I still want to move and everything. You can have a battle. In the next two weeks, we're gonna look at that battle in detail because we are born again of the Spirit, but it's we're living in flesh, and those two are at war. But Holy Spirit is resident there. He's at work. You can't kick him out. And so he'll be there working. Um, You belong to God. God said, I'll discipline those that are mine. Uh, anybody here that's ever messed up? I've done things as a Christian and I knew when the repercussions hit me, I knew that this was not just, I know this is discipline. I know this is God saying, I got you. You're going to stop that. We're, we're going to get this together. I've been disciplined but God says, only discipline those that are mine. Right? That, that's how you know your mind. And so um, you can't be the same. You won't be the same person. Um, you may battle with things. You may struggle with things, but God says, I, I move in and I take up residence. You can't kick me out. You are forever mine. And so what happens as a Christian if I start messing up? Guys, I'll discipline you. What's the extent of which God will discipline you? What's, what's the furthest extent of Christian discipline? Death. Um, the Bible says, I mean, you, you can you can be just so disobedient that God says, you won't be useful on earth. Who's going to take you? You can be disciplined to death, Right. But but you're still his. Right. There's nothing that can change that. So I want you to write these verses down. I'm going to read them to you. And I just think it's important that we at least know if we're in Christ, where that stands and the strength of of God keeping that together. And so I want you to look. I want you just to write these verses down. We all know John 316. Right. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have what? everlasting life. How long is everlasting? Is it everlasting until you mess up? It's everlasting, right? Okay, now write down John three thirty six. it says, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. What, how did I get that? Believed in the Son, and have everlasting life and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So if I believe in Jesus Christ I have everlasting life. Look at John, Oh, write down John 5, 24. Jesus speaking, most assuredly, I say to you that he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and he shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. How did they get saved? They believed. They believed in the word of God and God said they passed from death to life. And I want you to know these verses. I want you to have them in your heart. So. I think when we battle, we mess up. I don't want for you to battle to be am I saved? I, the battle needs to be God. I'm saved, but I need to get it right. You know, I need help. I need strength. But I'm. But I am yours. You know, I got four kids. They could disobey me. They could disappoint me. But at the end of the day, they're still my kids still. They're still Buffaloes. They're still mine. I, I can't. I would not disown them. They belong to me no matter what they do. Once you get born again, you need to understand that you are a child of God, and you can't erase it. You're His. He not God's not breaking up with you. Um, God's not, you know, you're his and you're going to be dealt with like his. Um, I know there are some kids that wish that somebody else would be their parents. Right. But but can, can they can wish it all they want? They can't make it happen, though. Right. Your parents are your parents. And so that's what you need to understand. When you get born again, your daddy is your daddy. Your daddy is the Lord. And you can't change that. And so that's the relationship. That's how it's going to be. Verse right down. John six forty seven. John six forty seven. Again, Jesus speaking. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, that he who believes in me has everlasting life. Again, just through believing in him. Last one, John chapter 10, verse 28. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand or snatch them out of my hand. I want you to think about that. He says, look, I give them eternal life. They shall never perish and neither shall anybody snatch them out of my hand. I'm in the hand of God as a child of God. You're in God's hands. Can somebody snatch you out? Nobody can snatch you out. Now, I had a guy I was debating over this whole one save, always save. He said, well, you can't be snatched out, but you could jump out. That's what he said. He said it just like that, too. That's how we get sounded to me. I'm like, look, if nobody can snatch you out, I I think I'm part of nobody. If God is saying, look, you're in my hands and nobody can take you out of my hands. I'm somebody right. I can't take me out of his hands. Nobody else can take me out of his hands. I am in God's hands. And this is the cool thing for the believer. Once you get saved, the strength that's going to keep you is whose strength? God. That's the only way I'm going to get saved if God saves me. His the, the saving strength is not mine. It's his strength. And so we can rest in that. I, and I hope that that sets some of us free in our minds from from battling back and forth about where we got So, look, I the, the, the same strength that saved you. It's going to be the strength that keeps you. I know what you are. I know what a mess you can be. I know the failures. I know your imperfections. I know your weaknesses, but it's my strength. Right. Philippians one six, he says, being confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God says, if I started a work in you, I will be faithful to complete it. Some of us are difficult work sites. You know, a lot of rainy days on your work site. You know, a lot of, a lot of, you keep having to tear it down and rebuild it. But God says, look, I'm faithful. I'm going to finish the work I began in your life. One way or the other, I'm going to get it done. Amen. So some of us need to just yield. Let that work, let, let, let God get on with his business. So so the, so the work can get, get moving forward. But looking back at um, Galatians 5. He um, says in verse 4, verse 5 now, he says, for we through the spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith, and so because we're saved and God's Spirit lives in us, God says something that we have as believers that we we eagerly await for. We're we're looking forward to. We wait for the hope of righteousness, which is coming through faith, and so something that a Christian has that someone in the world doesn't have. We have a we have an internal hope. Uh, we know that even like we look of the world right now and everything that's going on. Right there's there's storms everywhere. There's wars and ruins of war. North Korea acting up. There's all this. All this stuff, there's racial tension, there's all these different things, and what we know is that this is not it for us. Amen? That um, there's a time coming that our, our redemption draws nigh. It's almost like the worst it gets We should be able to look at the word and be like, man, this is what God said it would be like. We're going to be looking up. Our redemption is drawing near. God said there'd be wars and rumors of wars. We see that. He said there'd be earthquakes in various places, places that don't normally have stuff, don't be having stuff. As I'm seeing natural disasters, I'm looking and saying I'm praying for the people, but I'm looking up like, Lord, what's going on? What are you doing? You know, what are you doing through all this happening, all this taking place? And so for you and me, we're living here, but this is not it for us. For the world, this is it. You know, if you're you're somebody that don't know the Lord, this is this is it. If you lose your stuff down here, you lost everything to the believer. A believer can't lose everything because when everything else is gone, I still got the Lord. I still belong to the Lord. I still got a hope that's beyond this life. If this life just gets all the way raggedy, I still go into heaven when it's over. I still got a hope of eternal life. My treasure's not even down here. I've been storing up stuff and treasure in heaven since 1995. And so I can be broke down here, but looking forward to getting there. And so for the believer, when he says that, look, this is our hope. Our hope is not in this life only. We have have an expectation, the spirit eagerly waiting. We're looking forward to, and I hope that that's the attitude of your heart. I hope that your mind is looking forward to the return of Christ, looking forward to the day where we're going to be with him, that we have a hope of righteousness that's by faith.
0: You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Pastor Bill is going through the book of Galatians. Here, Paul lays out for us the transformation that happens in our lives when we die to sin and begin to live in the Spirit. In chapter 5, he tells us that the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality idolatry sorcery enmity strife jealousy fits of anger rivalries dissensions divisions envy drunkenness orgies and things like these he contrasts that with the fruit of the spirit which is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control quite the transformation don't you agree Here at a transforming word, we are committed to presenting the word of God that transforms hearts and minds. And you can join us in that. You can find us online at calvaryenglewood.org. When you head over to calvaryenglewood.org, look for the link to give. Your support makes the ministry possible. Together, we can spread the Word of God, which has the power to take lives dominated by the flesh and fill them with the life found in the fruit of the Spirit. If you were challenged or encouraged by today's message and you'd like to hear more, check out our mobile app. Think of all the messages you could listen to anytime and anywhere you bring your phone. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We've come to the end of our time together today. We're so glad you chose to join us in learning from the book of Galatians. Let's all continue the life of transformation next time on A Transforming Word.